the truth is this market's getting a little bit tricky. It's not that easy to make those like 10, 20 and, and 100 X's anymore. And I mean, this week I got a payout from one of my investments and I wanted to invest some money in crypto and I was looking for like 10, 20 and 100 X investments. And the truth is I found it really, really, really hard to find some. And so what I decided to do was to phone three of my friends who were the best investors out there. Some of them are from Delphi, some of them invest for themselves, but these are the smartest guys in the world and they know where to find the alpha. And I decided to get them onto a call and ask them where I should park my money. What they don't know is that I'm going to let you guys listen in on the call. So enjoy. This is going to be the highest alpha per minute show that you've ever seen in your life. And please don't let them know that I'm letting in on the call. So I'm not going to beat around the bush today. You know exactly what the show is about. The show is about how we're going to find those 10x and 100x gems in a market that has become a lot harder. And the guys that are joining us today are the three best investors in the world. I think Jose from Delphi, we've got Dennis and we've got Ishan with us. You're not going to get a better panel of investors than these guys. They don't know that you're coming onto our private call so that I can ask them for investment advice in terms of, of my stuff. So you guys are in for a real treat. I just need two favors from you. The one favor is really simple. Just Subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed, if you enjoy the alpha, and smash the like button. Let everybody else know that we're spreading so much alpha. The second thing is, I need you to help me. And how I want you guys to help me is, just go and get a VPN if you haven't already got one. Use our referral link below. You do this, you keep yourself safe in this bull market. You protect yourself from threats. You don't expose your IP address to criminals and fraudsters and everything else. But mainly, 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 you keep our sponsors happy. They love us. They love the banter community. We've always been the best supporting community. But now they're coming down and they're saying, look, we need you to help us. And I want you guys to help us by just getting a VPN. The cost of a VPN is so low. It's like, I think it's like $3 a month. And the amount of money that you're going to protect yourself uh, with, it, it, $3 a month to protect your entire portfolios and all the life-changing money. So I'm asking you a favor. If you haven't already got a VPN, go and subscribe to VPN, $3 a month. And um, you make us have happy sponsors so we can bring you these Friday banters. Anyway, as I said, today I don't want to waste time. I want to get straight to it. I'm going to call the guys and then I'm going to get them onto the show and we're going to start talking about the alpha. Let's go. Okay, so I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. I wasn't actually planning to do the show. This is a completely unplanned show. And the reason why I called you guys together is because I ran out of investment ideas. I've like, I'm all clean out of ideas. And I thought, look, what's the easiest way for me to get alpha without having to, to pay for it? So I thought what I'd do is i get the three of you here and basically chat to you about Alpha and what you guys are investing in. That way I'll know, I, would, I would know exactly what to invest in. So I had to make that confession before we start the show. With that in mind, how is everyone? How's everyone feeling after the ETF trade? Jose, how are you feeling after the ETF trade? Try, time to move on? Yeah, feeling good. Can't wait for, I mean, I think it's going to be much slower than, than, than people think for like obvious reasons, but... Uh, I think it's just like up only in terms of boomer flow into crypto, which I think will be really good for, for, for crypto. Look, we had 187 days or so without any type of correction whatsoever in the Bitcoin price. Now, now the way I see it is like there's a game of chicken going on between GBTC, which needs to deflate and let out some of the 620,000 Bitcoin that are locked in GBTC and how quickly the asset managers can actually get money into the fund. And the way that I see it right now, it's like this big giant behemoth GBTC, which I just don't see how the, the institutions bring in more money than their redemptions. Ishan, I see you nodding. Does that mean that you're in agreement that GBTC is the elephant in the room, literally? Oh, yeah. The sell pressure from GBTC is going to be an overhang for quite a bit. But I, I do think people are starting to, it's starting to get to the point where it's a little bit over, uh, over indexed on. Um, I think that you know, I, I think we're just getting started. I think, uh, you know, we saw all of this run up kind of leading up to Bitcoin ETF. Now there's already ETH ETF chatter, um, whether that comes within the time period that people think around like May, June is something is probably another discussion. But I think that, you know, uh, perception precedes a lot of market movements. So I think that overall, I think we're just getting started. Things are right about to start heating up. So, I mean, I know you say we're just getting started, but I take it that you think that the Bitcoin trade has kind of had its, had its run. Like that's, we had, we had a, a good 100% plus on Bitcoin last year uh, in anticipation of the ETF. We touched uh, $48,000. I'll quickly call up a chart for us just so we can quickly look at the chart. So that's the Bitcoin chart. 
we touched the $48,000 as the ETF happened. We came, we started coming slightly down. Uh, we had a great year last year in anticipation of it. And around June, I think this is where BlackRock actually filed, we went up about 100% on Bitcoin. But to me, this trade kind of feels like it's finished. And the trade that I'm seeing here is probably the ETH BTC trade. And ETH was the most hated trade for a long time. Ishan, I know you're relatively bullish Ethereum, or you have been relatively bullish Ethereum. I haven't been very excited about the, the Ethereum trade, but you seem to be really bullish on ETH. Dennis, you seem to be very bullish on ETH layer twos or certain ETH layer twos. Um, let's walk through the thesis now. Is it, is it Bitcoin time finished and time for ETH? I mean, I, I think so. I think ETH uh, this year, especially with ETF, now that the Bitcoin ETF trade has played out, um, people see how that trade runs now. It's the speculation leading up to the trade, whether if the Ethereum ETF actually gets approved or not. The, it doesn't have to be a 100% chance, but people will still try to price that in much earlier. So I think it's the next um, most obvious rotation. Uh, layer 2s as well, right? All the strongest CK Layer 2s, um, things are finally happening this year. And no matter you, you like it or hate it, like when big projects launch, the narrative will be around there. What's more powerful, the force of the anticipation of the ETH ETF or the actual inflows of the Bitcoin ETF from the institutions? Like, which one do you think is a more powerful force? I think for this half year, it's going to be the speculation for anticipation. Long term, it's, it's the actual money. But short term, just look at you know how people have been reacting to the Bitcoin ETF approval before it came out. It was all news driven. It was like this this fake news and this real news within the same day can move Bitcoin like 7%. And that's just, that's not money flow. That's pure anticipation. So as we lead up this six months, I think that's going to be main main story. So I also believe that none of us here are excited by actual ETH. Like none of us are excited by trading ETH. None of us are excited by the returns that ETH give us. I mean, I don't know, maybe ETH will give us 100% if we're lucky in, in in a period, that's not what we are actually here for. If you want to play the ETH trade, maybe let's just talk about what the best entry points into the ETH trade. Uh, if you're looking for something a little bit more exciting than ETH. And by that, I mean, is it the layer twos? Is it going into things like Lido? Is it going into things like ENS? If you were playing the ETH trade now in anticipation of the ETF, where would you stack your chips? Ishan, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I think um, I think when people talk about the uh, lack of growth in in ETH so far this year, this cycle, I think that people aren't necessarily looking holistically. I think when you look holistically, there's so much ETH beta that is perf that is outperforming the market that the value capture is moving in different places where it's not, you know, when you look at Bitcoin, there's not a ton of places where you get Bitcoin beta, right? There's like some stuff on Ethereum, like Badger, there is like stacks and some of the L2 stuff that's coming out, inscriptions, ordinals. It's just like a tiny, tiny fraction of the ETH beta that you can find. You mentioned- ETH is the only ecosystem that has beta, I think. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like ETH is the only ecosystem that actually has good beta. Like, Solana doesn't really, like, Bitcoin doesn't really, none of the other L1s ha have any, like, yeah, sorry, good. sorry to interrupt you, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's like, uh, there's so much value capture to happen. Like, you know, if you're just looking at ETH as a chart by itself, sure, not performing great. But when you look at Arbitrum, 2x, Optimism, 3 or 4x, ENS has been on a crazy run. Um, there's a lot of beta that's actually being kind of gone through the market. So when you look holistically, if you were to look at kind of Ethereum total market cap, and the percentage increase there, I think that you would see something a lot more interesting uh, versus, you know, and you'd see a lot of growth there rather than just looking at the Ethereum chart by itself. So the problem is that all the ones that you've mentioned, when, when I look at Arbitrum, Arbitrum now has a, a fully diluted market cap of 20 billion. Optimism is a fully diluted market cap of um, 15 billion, call it. You've got the smaller layer too. So you've got, uh, you can call it, Metis is probably another one that we, that we can talk about. Uh, got a fully diluted valuation of, a billion. Where is like, where is the massive upside in the ETH ecosystem? Like, I, I don't believe that Arbitrum can do a five X and take us to to a hundred billion fully diluted because that would make it bigger than than most of the current layer ones. So I'm looking like, you know, if I just feel that if and the way that I see it is probably the way that the, the the community said, you know, where, would I invest in 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 Arbitrum at twenty billion or in Solana currently? 
I just think for me, it's kind of a no-brainer that there's probably more upside in Solana, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Where do we go to get the, the outsized upside if we want to take the ETH trade? Dennis, what do you think? I think you got to focus on the, the newer projects. Like a lot of people are still, you know, they've been turning away from layer twos for a while. And uh, there's still some giants to launch this year. Like ZK Sync is probably going to be this year. Starknet said there will be this year. Um, you know, have like smaller things like Linea, that's uh, ZK Layer 2 made by consensus, right? The largest infra company in Ethereum. You ha have um, Scroll, you have Tyco, you have Manta that just launched. Um, it's going to do quite well, I think. And especially with a um, new wave of how Layer 2s can work, with um, how to integrate, you know, restaking native yield with Blast. Uh, I think Blast uh, just went on testnet. Um, and how they integrate, you know, modular with with Celestia. There's a lot to play with there. And if you only look at, of course, like Arbitrum Optimism, those will sustain and those will kind of remain good. But their upside is probably limited. But you really got to dig a little bit deeper. And I think there are a lot, a lot of strong layer one, uh, layer twos launching this year still. So you you were talking about Manta. I know you've been talking about, I've been following your tweets. Uh, by the way, guys, if you don't follow Virtual Bacon, this is probably a great time to follow him. That's, that's the Twitter account. You've been very bullish, Manta. Why are you so bullish? I think they are. They know how to adapt. I think I'm really bullish on their team. So I've been following this project since their Polkadot days. They did Polkadot crowd loans 2021. This guy was, you know, Kenny, um, his team was one of the first to adopt Polkadot and even contribute to their core code base. Um, but we saw how that played out. So they did play the Polkadot game and they had to pivot away and do ZK and do now modular, but they're able to make everything fit together. So they have multiple networks and they are able to make their community whole as well from back in the days, as well as this latest airdrop. So I think it's just very, two things like community driven and also very adaptable, like they can, adapt to whichever type of layer, layer two technology that's strong. Okay. Um, Jose, if you were trying to capture value in the ETH trade, where would you go and capture value? Yeah. Um, I think at some point you have to start looking at the applications as well. Like I do think at some point this cycle, the infra premium will just have to, to flip. Like there's just so much value in L1s in general infra compared to the applications, which are the stuff that you actually do on these L1s, right? And I think applications own the user and eventually if they don't if they don't attract the premium that infra does, they will just roll their own infra and, and, and own the whole stack, right? And like we've kind of seen that with UIDX. UIDX was the application on Starkware and then they, they, they were hugely successful and then they, they launched their own chain, rolled their own stack and now UIDX v4 has actually uh, is actually doing more volume than UIDX v3, right? Their own chain is doing more volume than their instance on Starkware. And on there, I'm I'm pretty bullish on on Vertex. I just think it's one of the one of the best perp uh, user experiences on chain. Uh, if I had to say my top, I think perps are still the thing that has the most product market fit in in crypto. And if I had to say my top three perp projects, it would be UIDX, Hyperliquid, and uh, Vertex. Uh, Vertex is. Um, what I really like about it is, is it's cross margin uh, and, and cross collateral. So like it incorporates a money market, which is what you need to, to, to make this stuff like cross margin and cross collateral, right? You need to be able to lend to people when their PNL isn't necessarily uh, in, you know, when there's mismatches in, in short term PNL. Um, it's a really good team. And, and I just think the product, like if, if anyone, uh, if you haven't used it, I, I recommend giving it a try. I just think it's, it's one of the cleanest like experiences in, in DeFi. So, and obviously it's like pretty, like it's sort of expensive when you compare it to most perp dexes out there. Uh, obviously DYDX is still like trading 10X or so uh, above it. But um, I just think there has to be at some point a repricing towards applications uh, because, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like a layer one, the true value of a layer one should be the market cap of its application ecosystem, right? Both in, in private and, and public, like public tokens and private raises, because that's literally the value that investors are ascribing to the applications built on top of this infrastructure, which should be the value of, of this infrastructure. And I think for a lot of these all L1s that are already trading at multi-billions, the, the, sometimes the ratio is incredibly steep, like from between the value of the applications on their ecosystem to the L1. And I just think that gets repriced over time, but you know, uh, yeah. 
So, so the vertex, I mean, vertex, just to, to, to finish off this discussion, fully diluted valuation of just under $300 million. Um, it's quite a recent launch. So I don't think we have a lot of, of, of price history, but the high was about 48, which is $480 million. Do you think there's still value at $290 million FDV? I mean, yeah, I think, uh, again, I'm not, not investment advice, but I think they're competing to be the number one perps uh, protocol in crypto. And to me, a decentralized perps protocol in, in, in crypto. And to me, that's, uh, that's a multi-billion dollar opportunity for sure uh, among, among all of them. Um, there are some points of centralization in the Vertex stack and things to, things to consider. But yeah, I think, I think the winning decentralized perp decks, because I also think the winning uh, like decentralized perps ends up also issuing the winning stablecoin, decentralized stablecoin, and you, you can just integrate a lot of the stack because, you know, if you think about stablecoins, every single successful stablecoin was built around an exchange, right? You had uh, like USDC around Coinbase, Tether around Bitfinex, and then BUSD around Binance. Those are the top three stablecoins. And it makes sense because it's the most capital efficient place to put your capital. It absorbs the most capital. Therefore, it can mint a stablecoin against it and it can make users use their stablecoin in a way that no one else can. Right. So I just think being the winning perp decks and the winning decks just affords you a bunch of opportunities to like integrate vertically upwards, like whether going to your own chain or or anything like that, because you just own the user in what is right now the, the thing with the most product market fit in crypto. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I listened to Multicoin's uh, investor call this weekend. I mean, they're, they're a very good, very reputable investment investor. And I mean, they echoed two things that you actually said. The first thing is that they echoed that what they're most excited about in 2024 is the ability to trade. And to they also said to trade things that weren't previously tradable. They said exchanges are used to trade things that are easy to price. And they, get, they broke down their whole thesis. The other part of the thesis that they broke down, which is very similar to what, um, to what you said, is that the layer one, that, that they are comfortable to start moving up the tech stack. And that's quite unique from, from Multicoin. They've always said, look, we're the layer, we're the layer one investors. Um, and they were very skeptical to go above the layer one because they almost said, we, we have to solve the layer one problem before we go into the, the, the application problem. Question, is the layer one problem solved now? You've got Solana with Firedancer, which will they say will do 1 million TPS. Um, You've got multiple iterations. You've got you know, Neutron. You've got uh, you've got all you got all these say which has come out with I don't know slightly less validators, but very 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 quick time to finality. Um, I mean, I had a chat this week to Saga, which is a project which is launching on Cosmos, and they've got this concept of the chainlets or the subchains that don't settle on the main chain but actually use the same validators. Have we solved the scalability problem? And like, who are you most excited about when it comes to who do you think is going to lead? in the fast blockchain race? I think anyone that tells you that they know exactly where this is going is lying to themselves. I think there's we're still so nascent, right? When you look at like kind of on a on a longer horizon timescale, you know, you look over, you know, rather than 10 years, which is like the size of the industry at the moment, you look over like a 50 year time horizon. And I think things are going to look very differently. I know people that are now getting like bullish again on like DAGs and things like that. Um, I think like, you know, the one that I'm really excited about is I think Monad. Um, I, I think Parallelized EVM is yes. like a lot more than just a meme. Um, and I think there's a lot of efficiencies to be created there. Um, now, when you get into like this, you know, the scalability trilemma and those, you know, those components, I think there's a lot more nuance there that's to be kind of figured out. Um, I think I think this kind of goes into like, Eigenlayer, which is like another area I'm really excited, like AVSs and being able to take validator sets and take them to other places. I think that kind of solves a little bit of the decentralization problem and like bootstrapping validator sets. But overall, like I think paralyzed EVMs, or, uh, you know, I'm also like pretty bullish on, um, you know, move, right? Move VMs. I think that's like another area where, you know. You mean like, uh, like uh, Aptos oh, and Sui, you mean when you say move VMs, talking about Aptos and Sui uh, primarily. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we backed a team, uh, we backed a team that's doing a movie. I'm on an L2 movement, uh, movement labs. We're super excited for kind of Rushi and the team there. They're, you know, being able to bring a lot easier developer languages and environments to, you know, maybe the liquidity set of an EVM. Um, or, you know, if you can kind of bootstrap that liquidity and the users, you know, on like a SUI or an Aptos, uh, there's, I think, a lot of opportunity. I don't think I think we're still far from like coming to an exact finality. I do think lindiness is really important, which is why I am still bullish EVM because I do think lindiness is, you know, like best tech doesn't always win, right? There's like the whole, there's the VCR example and there's so many examples historically of like best tech not winning. Um, 
out of lindiness. So I think lindiness is very underrated, but uh, I think we're, we got a long way to go to figure this thing out. Dennis, the, do you think the layer one problem is solved or do you think that there's still space for 100 other or 10, 10 new iterations? I think for, for DeFi's sake, it's pretty close. Uh, like we're just targeting like the final kind of financial transaction uh, scalability issue is, is around high frequency trading. It's around really like once you reach a, a point where you can subsidize, you know, your gas costs and and transactions feel like they're Web2 like that's good enough. So we're almost there. I would say like after EIP4844 and especially when you combine Paralytes, uh with EVM, you know, obviously Monad say, um, I think Eclipse is also pretty interesting uh, bringing, you know, SVM to Ethereum. Uh, I think so for, for DeFi sake, I think it's, it's almost there. Uh, I do think for other use cases like social, like gaming. storage, there's probably, yeah, gaming, um, where you want to experience that's doesn't feel like a blockchain at all. Maybe there's, there's something still there. Um, Gaming is is starting to be okay because people are are willing to go a little bit more centralized. Um, but I think for like, you know, on chain social media, uh, um, people uh, stuff like Deepin, I think those areas are still a lot earlier. Jose, what do you think in terms of? I know you guys were very bullish on the Cosmos ecosystem. I think if you look at a lot of these new L ones, a lot of them are Cosmos using Cosmos SDK iterations of Cosmos. What what do you think? Like, are, do you think that the layer one problem is close to being solved? Um, I mean, I think there's always going to be experimentation at the at the layer one level, and I always see it as like probabilistic. You know, like I think there's some chance that the monolith, like you, you can divide it into like thesis buckets, right? Like one is maybe the integrated like monolith bucket, where I think Solana is the clear, like undisputed leader. Like the other ones are very far behind in terms of traction of the ecosystem, in terms of like just battle testedness, right? Like what Solana has been through, like, um, you know, Sui Aptos uh, say, and, you know, we're investors in some of those, but they haven't been through what Solana has been through, right? So if you're an app developer, that, that, that goes a lot into your choice. And then there's maybe like the modular thesis where I think there's an increasing number of options. Like there's going to be Dimension going live soon. Uh, we backed Initia. There's obviously a lot of roll-up as a service options on, on, on Ethereum too. I think EIP, uh, the, the new EIP plus, you know, Celestia is going to reduce the costs a lot for, for, for rolling your own roll-ups. So I think there's a lot of options. Um, I think Cosmos uh, customizability still gives you something uh, that that you can't really get from any other stack, which, which is just the ability to, to, to customize your stack entirely to your own needs. Um, like what UIDX did, they looked at every tech stack out there, right? And it's, it's really impossible to do like this in-memory order book anywhere else. Um, and I think there's going to continue to be use cases for which the, the Cosmos SDK is very differentiated and in which applications that succeed elsewhere end up with Cosmos SDK because they sort of expand vertically upwards, right? They want to own the, the entire stack, make optimizations, uh, not have to pay transaction fees to somewhere else, not have to share block space, all, all that kind of thing. Um, and one thing I like about the Cosmos as well is on Ethereum, whenever a new is nowadays people are just pissed right they're, they're just like oh dad this is a multi-say you know because it's, it's sort of fragmenting attention liquidity and all of this um away from from from, from, from the main ones and because composability wasn't like a priority um it, it ends up creating that fragmentation whereas for cosmos every new l1 that launches is incredibly bullish like the cosmos DeFi ecosystem because it increases just like the market cap of the interchain ecosystem and the stuff that can be traded on on the cosmos DeFi rails right like when Tia launched, there was a huge bullish moment for Cosmos. When DYDX launched, it was the same. Once uh, no, um, uh, Anoma launches, it's going to be huge. Wormhole is going to be a, a huge launch. And I think that's what's cool about uh, the Cosmos, like putting putting sort of composability first. It just means that these launches end up being like positive sum rather than rather than zero sum. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's still always going to be innovation at the app layer, and especially on Cosmos. But I do think for most applications that we that we have right now. Uh, there's like excess block space rather than that's uh, that's yeah. my point. That I also feel that we're getting to a point now where like just look at Solana, which and they, they're talking about one million TPS, and you know they may even hit it. What are we going to do with one million TPS for the next ten years? Like, what what are we actually going to do with that? And that's before you bring in Aptos and Sui and 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 the move languages, which which the move change, which which are going to be very 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 fast. 
I think those chains just haven't had their DAP moment yet. Like we haven't seen a killer DAP launched on Aptos. We haven't seen a killer DAP launched on Sui. I know the tech is exceptionally strong. Uh, I've, I've taken a deep dive into Sui. And I mean, the, the tech is amazing. The only problem is that they're a bunch of techies. And because they're a bunch of techies, they're not very good at marketing themselves and marketing what they're doing. But I know that one day they'll have their moment and then we're going to land up with a whole lot more block space. Question. Um, if I'm a dev and I'm looking to get into blockchain and build a dApp, why would I go onto Ethereum layer two and not just go directly onto an L1 that's going to settle very, very fast in the days? I understand it back in the day when there wasn't a Solana and I use Solana as, as a proxy for any successful L1. But why would I go and build on Optimism or Arbitrum and then, you know, deal with the, you know, I'm not settling onto a main chain and then I have to bridge money from the main chain to the, to the layer two and I have to bridge it back. And that's a whole spaghetti of, you know, then there's ZK. What is the benefit today for a dev of building onto an ETH layer two versus going to build onto some kind of mm -hmm. L1 chain that settles very fast? Jose. Yeah, th there's a bunch of benefits, right? I mean, first of all, the EVM stack is way more mature than any other stack out there, like in terms of dev tooling and, and everything like that. Obviously, move like a lot of people uh, would consider it a, a superior language, but still, like the tooling is, is is way lacking, right? There's also the fact that you can have this native bri bridge to ETH, which we saw how powerful that is, even with something like like Blast, right? Um, and I think that ETH liquidity is still going to be one of the main reasons that people stay close to the ETH ecosystem. There's like ETH has like the majority of the innovation still happens on ETH first, and you know I say this as someone that's super bullish, so and Cosmos obviously. But almost everything that's like net new in crypto still happens on ETH first. Like there's hackathons happening all over the world every month on Ethereum where people are coming up with new stuff that then can be leveraged by others. And like ENS, right, is on is, is on ETH. There's like all sorts of primitives that if you want to tap into with your application, if you want to compose with these with these things, you 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 have to be on ETH. Um, and yeah, and I think that's the main like there's just a big network effect that ETH has that I think in it, it sort of goes through. <laughs> periods but right now people are like very much underrating it i think how much of a of an advantage ETH has and, and also just the fact that it's lindy right uh if you if you build your app in evm it, you you'll always be able to go somewhere right there's like there's there's tens of chains that you can go to that, that all support evm whether it's avalanche or, or polygon or a bunch of the l2s whereas if you go if you go to solana um and it doesn't work out you're i mean i guess eclipse once that launches will, will be an option but there just aren't like as many options right um so I, I still think there, there are good reasons for, for DAP developers to, 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 to stay close to ETH. Ishan, anything to add? Yeah, I think I, those are the exact points I had in my head. I think it's, it's lindiness, right? There's liquidity, there's users. I think that's, you know, you can fork a lot of things like good luck forking, you know, billions and billions of liquidity, right? Um, I, I think that there's also a research component. Um, Jose kind of hit on this a little bit of, you know, all of the newest and most interesting research that happens in the space, like say what you want about the EF. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people think they might not be kind of the best engineers. And a, a, lot, a lot of people say Solana engineers in a purely engineer perspective, like Solana might be better engineered. But when you look at research and innovation in the space, it there is no better place to find what is the newest, most interesting things happening in the entire kind of Web3 ecosystem than like uh, the EF forums and the the dev forums. Like that's where all the innovation happens. So I think like it's lindiness and it's the research and the innovation. Where is that happening? Um, and that's what gets more developers excited. That's what opens up the mind to different opportunities in the space. I think we're still kind of scratching the surface about everything that's possible using smart contracts. Um, and so, you know, you need that, kind of uh, uh, inspiration and like, you know, where are people thinking of interesting things? It happens in the Ethereum ecosystem. And so that's why I think it's just too powerful, too Lindy. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Dennis, anything to add? Uh, I think just summarizing everything, right? Ethereum is the chain for DeFi. It has the longest provenance. Um, when you deploy your, your CryptoPunk, you know that on ETH, it's not going to disappear. Whereas on another chain, Solana is kind of reaching there. But still, right, you, you kind of have a different feeling. And if you're farming like seven figures, you natively prefer Ethereum versus other chains just for a safety perspective. Uh, and then from retail side, when you look at, you know, when you engage with someone that has dealt a little bit with crypto before, you know that they know how to treat the Ethereum address to um, at least have heard of MetaMask. 
it's not a big jump for us because we touched so many other chains, but it took them years to even get there. So um, even a little yeah. bit of barrier is, is something. That's the other thing. Yeah, MetaMask is by far the most used wallet in crypto for all its faults. And then ETH just also has like a bunch of rich people, right? A bunch of rich DGENs on chain that can use your dApp, uh, buy your token. Like it's it's the the sort of like NASDAQ or whatever of, of, of crypto, right? Um, I kind of saw it with Rollbit back in the day when it went from Solana to Ethereum, right? The, the, the effect that had, although now you're kind of seeing the reverse happen, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I still think it's, it's, I mean, I do think the ETH, the asset is in a tougher spot just because if all the activity moves to L2s and then you have data availability being done by, by Celestia, like the actual value that accrues to, to, to ETH from L2s, like the call data uh, isn't that significant. But to me, ETH is, 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 is money. You know, I think that's the, like, do you I have ETH in your portfolio? Do that's you, true. Because you're a DGEN. Do you have ETH yeah, in your you, portfolio? Honestly, like, I, like I, I know you, I know yeah, you're an absolute DGEN and I know that like small <laughs> returns don't interest you. Um, I, I have to ask, do you, do you have ETH? Is it, is it a significant part of your portfolio? Uh, I mean, my base asset is like Ethan is most, mostly ETH and a bit of Bitcoin. Like I, 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 that, that's like my base asset in my portfolio actually, but I, I'm definitely, most of my net worth is in far more degenerate stuff. Um, but like ETH is my base asset and like my, my safe, safe haven. Uh, yeah. and I, I don't know if I had to hold for 10 years, it, it would be tough between ETH and Bitcoin for me, honestly. I'm that bullish ETH. So if you had to hold for 10 years between ETH and Sol, which, where would you put the money? ETH and Sol, 10 year time frame. Where do you, where do you put your cash? We have to, you have to pick one. You can't, you can't split your, your money. All your cash. All your cash. All right. Probably, I just, I just, I don't want to lose all my, yeah, I, 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 more, more important to minimize chances of losing, but I mean, I think so that's called risk management for, 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 for those in the audience, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's called risk management. And that's quite strange because Jose is actually a poker player. So like, it's, I'm, 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 it's quite strange that he's taken the thing. Ishan, uh, 10 years, time horizon, ether soul. 10 years is a really tough question. I mean, I, I, I would still go ETH pretty comfortably. Five years. I, that is a very, very good question. I, 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 I still think I'd go ETH. I think maybe if you did like a two or three year time horizon, I'd probably go Sol. But I, I did want to make one point while we're kind of bullposting yeah. ETH is I think there's three big things that are kind of on the horizon that are going to make this kind of next few months really interesting. So you have 4844, um, uh, EIP 4844, which is going to kind of reduce um, kind of, uh, you know, a, a lot of the costs for L2s to be posting on L1. And so that's going to make L2s a lot more efficient, a lot more cost efficient. They're going to become better businesses overall. One tenth. They're talking about, is it, is it one tenth or one hundredth of the price, if I'm not mistaken? I saw the, I saw the numbers this week and it's like, it, it makes it like a really, really, really efficient. Definitely. Um, so I think there's there's yeah, there's 4844 that's going to create massive efficiencies. Um, there is um, there's the ETF narrative, right, which, as we've seen, is like a, a really strong trade. And I think the area that not enough people are talking about is Eigenlayer, which I think is, yeah. you know, if you think Tito and some of these other pieces were like nice boosts for the Solana ecosystem, I think like Celestia was nice. I think Eigenlayer is going to dwarf Celestia. So just quickly, um, just walk the viewers, because I think, I think we, we are on the inside. I think a lot of us are investors in Eigen. Um, but just walk the viewers why, about what Eigen does and why you're so bullish about it. Yeah, it, it's the ability to take a validator set, right? The, the, really, the thing that's really powerful about Ethereum is uh, I think that, you know, I think Solana has about 3,000 validators. I think uh, Ethereum has, uh, it's 80,000 or 800,000 um, validator of validators. It's a massive number, right? Like it dwarfs anything else in comparison. And so the ability to validate trust and to have people put up stake in order to confirm uh, a, a single source of truth is, I think, you know, it, it is, uh, I, I think Sriram uh, frames this really well where it's the coordination highway, 800,000. Um, and so, um, and, and so it's like this coordination highway that can be kind of modularized and taken to different places. So basically you can create a source of truth that people are essentially putting their money against uh, to confirm the truth of, which I think there's like no more powerful source of truth than people that are willing to put up their hard-earned money or their hard-earned stake in order to confirm. And so being able to take that truth and restaking, I, I, there are I, definitely risks. I think people are undervaluing the risks associated with Eigenlayer and kind of the rehypothecation of things. But 
just conceptually, that's something that's unforkable, right? Like no one is, no one's going to want the trust of 3000 Solana validators that all sit in Discord chat together, right? Uh, but when you have 800,000, you know, Ethereum validators that are uh, able to kind of, uh, you know, show and, and you know, provide, uh, you know, trust, uh, which is essentially exporting like the, the trust of validators, I think that's like, innumerable and like we, we can, I, I think we're still not even understanding and even i'm not fully understanding just like how big of a deal this is going to be and the new innovations that are going to be created and how much more trustlessness we're going to have kind of in the world um so without getting like too hyperbolic i, I do think that and then on top of that you have like eigenlayer points you have the lrt liquid restaking points um and so these are all going to be massive um like uh, uh like a like a kickstart to the entire ethereum ecosystem now the only caveat is that i do think like i think the solana trade is kind of left curve and i think that the ethereum trade is right curve in that you know like you can crush it on solana by buying bonk and whiff and a lot of the you know meme coins and just doing airdrop farming and things like that i think on the right curve the ethereum trade it's not going to be as simple as like just buy eth and sit back and relax like if you want outsized returns and then in a volatile industry i think you have to be a lot more strategic which is why i think you know, whether it's L2s or it's, you know, beta like ENS, I think there's going to be interesting, like incredibly valuable trades that come out of the uh, kickstart that Eigenlayer gives. But I don't think it's going to be as simple as just like sit there and buy ETH. Um, mm. Jose, what do you, I see you, you nodding just, uh, you, you're as excited, I take it? Uh, yeah, we, we, we're investors in, in Eigenlayer. Definitely excited. I do think that the, uh, like the supply side makes a lot of sense for, for restaking. I think the demand side is going to be like tougher than people think. Uh, I think like economic security is like a meme, <laughs> you know, like you've, you've seen, you've never, like you've seen chains be 51% attacked and it was kind of fine, right? Like ETH classic of 51% attack. And like, realistically, that's not really like the security low hanging fruit, right? Like whenever, whenever blockchains launched, people thought that governments were going to do all sorts of things and coordinate to control hash power and stuff and attack Bitcoin but they just pass laws, right? That That's the easiest way to attack is like passing laws. And and, and, and I think that'll always be so true. the easiest way. And I also think that like application developers don't want to use ETH. Uh, like the, the uh, I see Eigenlayer as like ETH alignment as a service, which definitely has a place, but application developers also want to make money, right? So they want to put their own token in the mix. They don't want to use ETH for security because a lot of the like business model of these application of, of these tokens is actually to be the security for their application, right? whether it's Chainlink or Oracles or something like this, I just don't know how many high quality teams are going to just like, like ETH alignment's nice when it pumps your bags. But if, if that's all, like, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not as nice when, when you're like giving up all the upside and the, and the narrative for your token. So I think the demand side will be like harder and slower than people think, but I, I think it doesn't matter. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's going to do, it's going to be huge regardless. Dennis, anything to add, or can we move on to the real DGen part of the show? Because I, I think this has been fun. We've spoken about ETH, Solana, Bitcoin, but I think it's time to start DGening. So, um, unless you have got anything to add, let's let's get into the DGenness. Um, yeah, I just think uh, you know, like Eigen is cool. Um, I think Ishan has opened some different perspective that I hadn't didn't think about. I, I always thought it was just LRT based, liquid staking based, but drawing like a real comparison between Eigen DA and Celestia now is probably the first possible use case that, that is actually something there. Um, yeah, interesting, mm -hmm. for sure. Okay, let's get into the DGen. So we've spoken about all the big tokens, but I mean, people here are here for alpha. And I think we, we spoke about like, if you were to hold one token for five years, what would it be? We, and we got to ETH. If I were to say to you, listen, you're allowed to hold three tokens each. And you can, we're welcome to go above three, but you can't go below three. I would say to you, the tokens that you're most excited about in the cycle that are not Bitcoin, that are not ETH, that are not Sol, what are the three tokens that you're holding from now until the end of the cycle? And let's say at the end of the cycle, just for simplicity, is one year after the halving. So I'm kind of trying to get the narratives that you guys are playing. And let's say minimum three um, narrative-based plays um, that you guys are, are, are excited about. And you don't have to give them all three at once. So you can start with one and we can, we can go to the next person just to, to get uh, some kind of flow here. Uh, Ishan, let's start with you. Just give us one token or one narrative that you're really, really, really excited about. Um, I think the trade of the cycle is D-PIN. Um, so for, for those that don't know, D-PIN is decentralized physical infrastructure networks. I think um, just on face, uh, you know, let's take Aave, for example. Aave is awesome. 
Uh, Ave has done a lot of great for the industry. Uh, there is an Ave on every single chain that you find. And if you don't think that that hampers the uh, growth of that ecosystem and that project and the amount of TVL that they can capture and the amount of value that they can capture, uh, I don't know what to tell you, right? So, uh, you know, strictly code-based projects are very forkable. Uh, good luck trying to fork a physical infrastructure network. So I think there's just an inherent moat there that uh, I think does that I think as TradFi folks get into the space, they're going to find and find very interesting. And on top of that, the use cases that are coming out in Deepin are incredibly interesting. Um, so one that I'm really- Yeah, excited. what are the ones that you like? Because I want to get into the nuts and bolts here. Yeah, so I'll give you one that's really interesting that I've been uh, that I, I've been friends with the team for a little bit, um, Demo. Um, they're on uh, they're on Polygon Proof of Stake, but they're going to be deploying on CDK. Um, they're really interesting. So if, if you remember that there used to be those progressive commercials about you can put these hardware devices into your car, um, and then it'll kind of take the data for your car and it'll give you cheaper um, it'll give you cheaper insurance, insurance right? They'll, yes. they'll look at your driving history and they'll give you cheaper insurance. So they've built a decentralized version of that soft of that hardware that allows you to plug into your car and then creates a two sided data network where then you can eventually, once they bootstrap the, the demand side, uh, be able to take your information, give your the only information that you want to, for example, the miles that you drove and maybe sell that to your car manufacturer like Tesla or take the quality of your driving and sell it to five different insurance companies to allow them to bid against you for your insurance business. Uh, I think that is a really interesting use case. They're actually shipping out is, in January. Is that they a have, listed project or, yeah. is that, is, or is it a token yet or no token yet? Yeah, it's liquid. It's in market. Um, they're doing what's, some really interesting stuff. They're about to ship their hardware. I think they're shipping the 3,000 pieces out. D-I-M-O, Demo. Okay, so uh, Demo, Demo's up, up a little bit. Uh, it's got a fully diluted valuation of half a billion dollars. Do you still think there's value at half a billion dollar fully diluted? I think FTV is a meme. Um, you know, like if we're looking at, you, you mentioned like a year. And so if we're looking at a year timeline, um, mm -hmm. like I, I don't remember off the top of my head, the investor unlocks and things like that. But I think like circulating supply is, is the way to go. And like understanding investor unlocks and when that, when more supply is hitting the market leaves you much better off than just looking at right. massive, uh, TV numbers. So I, I'm, cool. I, I'm definitely like FTV is a meme. Good. We're going to, so we're going to let you off the hook. You've got what you've got one under your belt, Dennis, let's go to you. One token that you think is going to be really good in the cycle. Uh, first one I have is Diesel. Um, decentralized social, I Decentral think. Uh, yeah. So wait, that was BitCloud. Deso was yeah. BitCloud. That was BitCloud. It was yes. the migration of, and, and BitCloud was a failure. I mean, it was V1. It was unusable. It, I tried it and I had, you know, I really, I, I really did my best to use it. Um, and yeah, I mean, didn't really enjoy it. I do know that the token is starting to come back. Tell me why you're bullish. Yeah, I think these guys are, uh, Two sides, right? The the product side, Big Cloud, they were clearly able to market this idea of social tokens before Frentech, right? It's Frentech 0.1 before Frentech took over the idea. Uh, social media side, like they are, they fully recognized how the kind of Ponzi-nomics in, in social doesn't really work. You got to really think about posting real content, privacy around the content, transparency, who owns this content, et cetera, how this content is shared and liked. So they're really moving from the, the DeFi side to the infra side to make sure that you can run any type of content on this layer one blockchain. So now um, they have essentially forked every single uh, type of social media platform out there. You have YouTube, Reddit, Twitter, you know, chat, everything on chain. And uh, what's cool about this is, is not only is it for storage, but it's also for smart contracts. So you combine both. You don't have to use your Filecoin in combination with Solana to make this happen. Everything's together. Okay, uh, fair enough. And the team, right? The team is, um, <laughs> this is funny, but the team uh, founder is. Uh, founder he was of part Basis. of another, yeah, he wasn't, he was part of yes. another project, which was, uh, yeah, was it, he, was it like some bases. kind of cloud of the, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, it was, it was like uh, UST Luna before it happened. So UST, uh, Do Quan took his idea, forked it, made it basis cash, and then later on made it into UST. So, yeah. This guy is OG um, tokenomics. Wasn't Basis Cash? Uh, didn't they eventually just return the money to the investors or something? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I was an investor, in that and actually, I remember, I remember getting the money back. So, okay, so that's him, Jose. You, so that's your 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 pick, Jose. I want to hear this um, because I, wow. Okay, I think I think I know what it's going to be, but I want to hear it. Yeah, just a note, like the yeah, Basis Cash was based on the senior shares model, which was like a, an economic paper that that everyone 
based this model on. I forget the name of the economist now, but it's 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 a famous paper. But yeah, um, again, this is I uh, have to be careful, like not investment advice. Obviously, we we helped incubate this, and we 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 own a lot of it, so our, our there's, there's conflicts here, etc. But yeah, definitely Astro is my. I was gonna say because because it's mine pick. as well. It's mine as well. It, it really is mine as well. Nice. So let me tell you what I think. Yeah, so just I mean, tell me. Uh, just tell me if 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 this is your thesis. For me, I know Cosmos is going is the best technology, or or I think a lot of chains in Cosmos uh, are going to win, and I think that Astro just has proven that whatever chain launches on on on, <coughs> on Cosmos, Astro is the optionality because once you get the network effect of being the biggest dex on one chain or two chains or three chains or four chains, then you become the biggest decks across the whole ecosystem. And then you become the biggest decks across most the chains that, that will launch. And that, that's my thesis. I actually did a, I did a whole show about it saying, you know, always buy that's the cool. layer one, the decks and the meme coin. And then if you want the mm-hmm. decks, that is the, the optionality across multiple uh, uh, things, then yeah. But is that, is that the yeah, thesis? I think that's a good, you showed it for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, um yeah, I think there's no, beta play for a lot of these all L1s, right? Say is trading at like $8 billion, uh, Injective's trading at five or 6 billion, Neutron's trading at, you know, 1.5 billion, uh, Terra's at a billion or whatever. And there's not really a good beta play on on any of them. And Astroport is again, like the number one DEX on each of those chains. It has like 95% market share on all, except Injective now actually, where there's a, a competitor that's sprung up, but um, has like- Who is the competitor? Market share on all of Who those. is the competitor? Is it- uh... Um, is it? I don't he- even want to give them the the, the airtime. Oh man, <laughs> is it? Is it called Helium? Is it's what Dojo. It's-, it's called Dojo. Dojo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Helium is the or, or is the um, Helios is the is Helios. the injective trading module. Yeah, yes. the injective trading module. Okay, uh, but Astroport's got some. Yeah, and and so I think like the focus of Astroport is, is yeah and so an Astroport's trading at like you know 300 million fully diluted and i agree that fully diluted is a meme uh, and it's a meme although it depends on like what the fully diluted is right they're very different from each other like some fully diluted is 70% is owned by investors and it's going to unlock in which case that that is not a meme you know that is going to fall on your face um, but a, a lot of the time fully diluted it's all sitting in a treasury that's controlled by governance right in which case it's it's very different like it, it, it can so- burn but it's not going to hit the market and with Astroport, about 60% sitting in a treasury uh, controlled by controlled by governance. And then, yeah, the, re- the real focus is just like making passive liquidity as efficient as possible. Like I think people are underrating passive liquidity a lot in crypto generally. Like uh, everyone hates on XYK and like says order books are the best and, and, and all this stuff. And uh, I mean, there's some there's there's definitely some some valid points there. But I do think like the fact that XYK is the simplest, dumbest AMM still has like tens of billions of dollars of capital in it just shows me that this is something that has product market fit people want to provide passive liquidity for, for whatever reason and it's going to stick around and if you can improve that basic model which is kind of what what asteroids will be focused on i think it will absorb a lot of like passive capital in 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 crypto like that's kind of the okay and that's really like the the focus I have a question. is launching on any cosmos native l1 yeah i have a question so you you brought up two DEXs, one of them was a perp DEX and one of, the, one of them was Astroport. Both of them have the same fully diluted valuation. Vertex has a 220 billion and Astro has a 220 billion. Where do you put your money? Uh, 220 million, right? Yeah. Yeah. So where do you put your money? They both got the same fully diluted valuation. Uh, Vertex protocol has a 220 million, 280 million and, and Astroport has there or thereabout. Where do you put your money? Yeah. I mean, uh, I have both. I definitely have more Astro. I just understand it better. Have been have been like following the project much longer, so I'm more of like a concentrated bets guy, as you as you know. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I have definitely more more Astro. And I think there's a lot of interesting catalysts too, with like VX Astro launching. Um, the fact that launching on Osmosis, I think Kajira is a, an interesting place to, to think about launching an outpost too. And really just becoming like the dominant AMM because like with the passive concentrated liquidity pools, I really think that will be the dominant pool type for like volatile assets. So, you know, the, the native assets of each L1, I think will we'll sit in those pools. And then I think the goal should be like move a lot of these uh, chains to, to using LP shares as their staking asset rather than like the pure L1 token, really like solidify the dominance uh, even more. And obviously it's not listed on any on any exchanges yet or anything like that. It's pretty hard to to buy. You know, people still pay me all the time asking how to, how to buy it. So I think there's just a lot of stuff that comes together. 
that makes Agreed. it. Uh, All right, let's let's move on a little bit because we are running out of time. Ishan, uh, I'm going to ma- make it oh, one just, more. Just one thing. Yes. There's cash flows, right? It's it's doing 30% uh, yield on like real yield right now. It's like it's been doing between 20 and 50 million in daily volume on just all the meme coin mania and all, and all these Cosmos chains. Look, you don't have to convince me because I um I think uh, I think I probably hold more Astroport than the team at present. So I mean, full disclosure, I'm a big <laughs> investor in Astro, and every single one of my Astroport I actually got either because I invested in Astroport when it was listed on Luna, or I've been I was buying it up at two cents and three cents uh, during the bear market because. I was just like, what's what, what am I missing here? Um, look, full, um, while I've got Jose here, um, if you missed Astroport, don't miss Mars because that's the next one that I think is going to the moon. Um, it's coming coming soon. Ishan, next one from you, sir. Um, I'm a big fan of the Delphi bag, so I will shill another Delphi bag. Um, karate Combat. Uh, big fan okay. of the Karate Combat guys. Um, they are doing something incredibly innovative and interesting. I think that they are kind of the guys that I think are going to solve a lot of this. Like it's, it's gambling, it's gaming and it's sports. And it's, um, and it's, and, de- so- and it's real and it's real life as well. Right. So like, it's like, it's a, it's a mix. I gotta be honest. I passed on that, on that trade because it was in the middle of the bear market and in the middle of the bear market, I just thought that if this bear market goes on, it's not going to take off. But now in the bull market, I'm kicking myself. So um, because I do I, think in, in the bull market, it's a great narrative. Yeah, I met only LARPing and I, I yeah, I met him by happen chance and I had the deal in my hand and I just I drug my feet on it. And probably I think it's going to be one of the biggest misses of my whole career. Uh, I think that those Jose guys are incredibly me. sharp. Jose begged me to get in and I was like, I don't see, I, I can't see this in the bear market and I'm, I'm kicking myself now. I'm, I'm literally kicking myself. All right, I'll give that one uh, to you. you see, Go ahead. Yeah, you see like Logan talking about it. You see Joe, uh, Joe Rogan talking about it. It already has mass appeal. Um, I think they're- Okay, enough, really enough. You're killing me. You're fucking killing me. Here. You're killing me, bro. It, it, <laughs> you don't have to rub in the fact that I turned down the deal in the bear market. I feel like I, I'm kicking myself. Dennis, what are you- Great ticker as well. Say again? It's a great ticker, karate. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes, oh, yes, yes. Oh man, oh man, I'm so, I'm so bummed about that. I can't tell you. I, I'm, I'm just so, so bummed about that. Here it is. Um, just uh, let's just get some perspective going here, just so I know how badly I missed it. When they were doing the raise, what was the the FDV? I think it was either fifty between fifty and hundred. I saw this. As so well. I missed the ten x. I missed, yeah. I missed the 10x. Oh, man, I hate myself. I want to kick myself. All right, let's not talk about it. It's just I'm just feeling shit because I had the deal in my hand. Um, uh, uh, Dennis, you're, you're up to you, and then we're going to Jose, and then we're done for today, gentlemen. I, I'm i going to put uh, Prisma. So okay. Prisma is one of the, uh, I would say, strongest like liquidity plays in RSD and RSD Phi. Uh, they are basically integrating with every single... Ethereum based liquid staking protocol. So this is this is the this is the restaking this is the restaking narrative of your of your ETH or of your liquid staking uh, uh, token, but this one hasn't got a lot of traction. Like I'm also I mean full disclosure I'm invested in it, and I mean I I just feel like they they should have got more traction than they've got at the moment. I don't know if that's a fair is it fair to say it like that? I think it's just calm. It's just calm before people catch on because this one is really it's it's widely loved by the DeFi OGs in, in Ethereum from Convex from from Curb from Yearn every single type of money market is integrating. Uh, it, it's just complete liquidity game, and when you compare how much liquidity they have unlocked through those partnerships, this really right now it's just um, that the the misprice is is very clear. That's uh, just how I see it. It's very, very simple. All right, cool. Uh, Jose, last one from you because we are completely out of time now. But I do want to get one. And if you want to give us a bonus one, you're more than welcome. Okay. Uh, I don't, maybe this, this one isn't live yet, but it's a good like farming uh, points opportunity. Uh, Athena, which is like actually the t-shirt I'm wearing. I'm here at their offices in, in Lisbon. Uh, I'm really bullish on, on this idea. Obviously, it's the original uh, stablecoin idea that Arthur Hayes proposed. If you remember, I actually forget the name of the, the blog now, now, but the this synthetic stablecoin, right? The, the stablecoin that's hedged by up by a Delta neutral. Is, is that the one I'm thinking yes. about? Or no? Yes. Yeah, exactly. 
So it takes state ETH as, as, as collateral and then immediately like hedges that with an equivalent like short ETH position. And so your, your net exposure is, is a dollar, right? It's, it's just like a dollar exposure. Um, and yeah, I think they've, they've done an incredible job executing both in terms of the partners they got on board of the partnerships with exchanges. Um, if you look at the yield now, it's, you know, and, and, and you kind of back test it over the, over the last year, I think it's pretty, pretty absurd yield. I think in 2024, this goes to definitely to a, a billion supply, uh, potentially even, even higher. And it's, it's just like this, uh, really nice yield product, right. That captures this, uh, this native yield to, 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 to crypto transfers it to, to holders and then generates a, the stable coin as an offshoot. Um, on the liquidity side, they're like using the, the yield bearing stable coin uh, in, in the liquidity pool with uh, like yield bearing fracks and die. So S die and uh, whatever the, the yield bearing fracks is called. So that's the way to, to farm points right now. Um, so some, some okay. So some because it's, because it's not listed, just because it's not listed, you have to give us another one, bro. Because it's not listed, okay. and just guys, while while he's thinking, because I'm not going to put him on the spot. I'm not that kind of guy. I just want to remind you all that if you want to win uh, ten thousand dollars worth of any of these tokens, so Solana, Ethereum, Sui, Say, Bonk, just go to Banter Bubbles, click on the win big, and predict the price of Solana, Ethereum, Sui, Say, Bonk, and Arbitrum at the end of March, at the end of February. And every month, we're giving away $60,000. So every month, you can predict. And by the way, if you have an exchange account, you can predict up to five times on each one. So go there, banter bubbles, make your prediction. You can see people are making predictions right here. So go there and do it. Jose, over to you for the last yeah. the last I mean, alpha of the day. Topia, like the NFT Worlds project that's going to be launching soon. I know I brought this one to you as well. NFT uh, ones, and, but yeah, I think the the best uh, the best chill on that. You can watch our recent like high of mind podcast. Jan, Jan does it does one at the end. He knows it knows it better than me. Other than that, this one's like larger cap, so the alpha is is less there. But Rune has just been crushing it. Like Rune, and like if you look at the I agree the real volume going through going through Thorchain, it's like absurd. Um, it's it's really awesome to see. This was like the this was our OG investment with Delphi Ventures. Like the reason we're all here. Like we basically aped our entire net worth into into Rune and then just sold that to buy everything else. And it's it's uh it's really cool to see how far they've they've come. Um, and and I think like that they've got a really interesting roadmap for for 2024 with launching. I mean they're they're gonna I make agree. it much easier for you to integrate and adapt. I think Astroport would be integrating with it. Uh, but also like perps, like uh, native L1 token backed perps on Rune are, are coming. And if you know Thorchain, it's always going to be like with a twist on on, on the design. Because uh, I don't know if many people know Thorchain currently has like kind of an algorithmic stablecoin in the design. It's just not minted. Yes. But if you think about the lending product, it has an algorithmic stablecoin in there. It just has very low caps, so it's not dangerous. But I do think, I, I suspect that's going to be the basis of the perp design. And it will, I mean, if, if it also does perps, I just think it's going to be one of the most cash flow generating like DeFi apps out there. And if you want to go further out on the risk curve, then maybe Maya, which is like a friendly fork of, of, of Rune, right? Cacao, uh, Maya protocol, which is like a friendly fork of Rune that goes, that does longer tail I- I- integrations. Speaking now, of- Bear in mind the risk here compound, like Rune's code base is already like, it, it's it's massive. Like just, it's a very hard thing they're doing. There's a lot of like surface area for attacks. And obviously if you go further out on the risk curve, there's more of that. But I do think- it, it's one of the projects in crypto that has real product market fit. And you, you, I talk to people all the time that, that use this to do large transactions, especially since streaming swaps, because they don't have access to centralized exchanges. They don't want to pay market makers. So it's really cool to see. So wait, I mean, talking about Rune and Rune competitors, there was a lot of noise around Chainflip. It's got a fully diluted market cap of 460. They cite it like as an endorsed competitor of, of ThoughtChain. Like, does anyone have any views on Chainflip? Yeah, uh, we're investors in, in Chainflip too, and um, definitely bullish. It's like a, a different trade-off spectrum. Like they use USDC as the base asset rather than Rune. So like Rune is very reflexive, and like they like designing these like reflexive mechanisms into it. It's like you know they they, they it's just part of like what Rune is. Whereas Chainflip is going to denominate in USDC, and there's some some other there's differences in the stack and stuff like that. But I think all these things get repriced as Rune gets repriced. Honestly, okay. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay, guys, that is, uh, look, unless anybody wants to throw one bonus one, I'll give it to you. If you, if you got, if you've got itchy fingers and you like, you want to, you feel like throwing the, throwing the dogs a bone, the dogs in the chat, if you want to throw them a bone, I'll, I'll give it to you. Otherwise we've got to call it. Anyone want to throw a bone? 
Ishan, come on, I can see it. It's at the end of your of, of your lips. Yeah, just say it, say it. Uh, if I'm gonna throw a last one out there, it's got to be Matic. Um, but that's just me talking my bags. But I think CDK mm. is like some of the most undervalued and underappreciated tech in the space. Um, I think that they're going to. I think it's going to get re-rated relatively soon. Uh, but I think it's still just like there's just too much going on there that it's uh, there's a little bit of narrative exhaustion and there's a little bit of confusion about exactly what's happening. But once that full transition happens to POL, I think uh, I, I think Matic is going to be a, like a massive ecosystem all by itself. Uh, look, guys, I can't I can't let you have a bone from Ishan and not have another bone from Dennis. I, I mean, Dennis, sorry, bro. But I mean, the, the guys in the chat, they're complaining. They say they want a bone. Uh, for right now, uh, it's got to be super. So super. Okay, super farm. Elias project. Elias project. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I, it this this kind of ties into a lot of things that that we talked about. Ishan talked about as well with uh, with the ecosystem and everything. You guys will see. Like they, um, I, I talked to Elio quite recently again. Um, things are playing out, and this is going to be one of the one of the easiest bets in in gaming for holy for shit. So listen, everything that's integrated. Listen, when I when I told you guys I didn't actually plan to do the show, I just wanted to get free alpha. Listen, I got much more than what I fucking paid for here. This has been like the highest alpha show I think we've ever done. So I want to thank you guys. You guys are absolute fucking legends. Love you guys. The community love you guys. We've got to do this again soon. So next time I run out of trade ideas and trade suggestions and bring you guys all back. Until then, much love to you guys. Thank you so much. And to you guys, the banter fam, it's been amazing, amazing, amazing being here. Love these these banters. Love this this craziness. Uh, I will see you guys again after the weekend. Until then, trade well, my friends.